Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture. All while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host, Jackie, an American Filipino mom living in Denmark, and my kids think I'm cool, but... My Danish is so bad that my daughter doesn't want me to speak with her friend's parents. She's officially embarrassed of me, and she's only four years old. So, with my story with that, last week I was talking with my daughter about her upcoming birthday. I asked her if she wanted to have a couple of friends over for cake and to celebrate with her. And of course, she was very excited, so she started naming some girls that she wanted to invite over. Then all of a sudden, she changed her mind on one of the girls she mentioned. And I asked her, why don't you want that girl to come over and uh, have cake with you? And she said, well, her mom doesn't really speak English, mommy. It's like, oh, that's okay. You know, I can speak Danish to her. I know Danish. She's like, mommy, your Danish is not that good. And that really hurt. And she's only four years old. So, yeah, the terror of the Danish language is now haunting me. It's either learn now or forever hold my horrible Danish. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the episode. That's my story about but. But if you guys have any stories like that or about the Danish language, let me know because I would love to hear what your kids say to you because you're living in a different country or you're having this trouble too with the Danish barrier or the language barrier with your with your kids. Anyways, today I will be talking. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a little confused because I got so into that story about my daughter and the language because Danish language is so hard for me and my daughter is surpassing my Danish language now <laughs> and she's only four years old. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the story. Being an international mom has its perks. Language is not one of them, but it has tons of drawbacks. My kids will always have the Danish language and I will never have the same level as them. And in my opinion, I will never have the same level of Danish language with them. My Danish is horrible and my daughter is finding out. Kelly, how do you feel? Kelly's my guest and it was actually one of my questions on how her son's Danish language is compared to hers. Well, when we moved here, my oldest was almost six years old and my youngest was three. So they learned Danish really fast and it was just always, I don't know, the the thing to know that I didn't speak Danish and I was the English speaking mom of all the friends and it was just not anything that anybody really talked much about. But I know that lately I have been trying because now it's five years later and I've been trying to use my Danish much more because with Corona, I haven't really had a lot of opportunities to be anywhere around Danish people. So I have mentioned that they get English from watching Netflix. So they need to work with me to get me up there with learning Danish. But I haven't really had any, I think I guilt trip them maybe a little bit because I will say things like, you know, I'm really trying and this is hard for me. And I feel really bad about not being able to speak Danish as well as you are speaking it now. 
And, you know, they're very caring little boys, so they're uh, not pressuring me, but they're very good at correcting me when I say something wrong. So, but I have noticed from one of their little friends that I've known now for the past four years who says that I should be speaking in Danish to my children. So that's kind of the only time when I've really heard it from children. Mine would probably not say that just because they they know better. And um, yeah. Yeah. So have your son ever said like, oh, mom, you're Danish? Mm. No, you know, like I said, I, I think that they're more concerned with hurting my feelings than, you know, I mean, it, it could have been different if my son was fluent at four. I mean, he was, but they were born in the U.S., so it wasn't anything where it came naturally to him from birth, you know? Yeah. So um, it could be a different situation that they maybe remember a time when they don't remember, you know, so much I don't know. Maybe maybe they do remember the time of learning Danish, so I don't know. I think they're more self-conscious about what they say because they don't want to hurt my feelings. But yeah, I have been, I think, picked on a little by some of their friends when we first moved here. But that was a learning moment, yeah. I think, is to say, okay, this kid, you know, <laughs> needs to be put in his place and you need to stand up for your mother. And I think that they've taken that thought um, with them all these years so but everybody's really used to me now in our little small town so I think that their expectations aren't so high okay yeah for me I guess with my daughter being born here da Danish language is all around her and I'm the one that's speaking English so it's like I'm the different one so it's just so different from her and she knows that my Danish is not so good so she's like she knows which parents don't speak English and which parents do speak English so she's like you can talk to that mom that mom speaks English mommy it's like oh thanks yeah. <laughs> they take care of me I mean whenever yeah. we're, we're watching anything they they always will tell my husband to put the subtitles on and so it's nice that's I, so sweet I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm raising caring Danes <laughs> that's that's so sweet <laughs> finally yeah I'm trying to get my my daughter to understand like Yeah, mommy doesn't know Danish so well because mommy and she knows she like mommy's American. Yeah, we're very <laughs> we're very open about expressing our feelings and explaining things. So at least I am. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping they're getting the point, you know. But and then obviously they do because they're you know caring and concerned about your Danish. Yeah, and I think sometimes teaching affectively through emotions tends to really gets a different part of their brain. You yeah. Know? So I would always use that in my own teaching in my career is I try to make sure there was some form of like affective element so they would have an emotional connection. And yeah, I'm just hoping I'm not scarring them for life with these uh, guilt trips or anything like that. And the funny thing is that's part of being parents because when I say something to my kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, did that is that going to affect them for the rest of their life because I said something to them like that? Yeah, it just seems like they're a little <laughs> bit more sensitive these days. I mean, I remember having every uh, part of me with a scratch or a scrape, you know, and like the elbows were always bloody, the knees were always bloody, and it just feels like my kids, you know, it's walking on eggshells sometime to make sure that they don't get upset because you gave them the wrong color cup, yeah. you know? Yeah, 
Every morning, I have to, sometimes I have to ask my daughter, which color bowl do you want for your yogurt? Because if I give her the wrong one, it just、What? ruins the whole day. Oh, yeah. It、Jesus、ruins. The, or if I, give, if I give her brother the bowl that she wanted, it's all over with. Yeah, I don't understand. You know, I think, I think sometimes, though, that might be more with the older child because they have this feeling that they need to have some type of possession, you know, that they need to have some type of authority, you know, over the younger siblings. So. I remember feeling that way with my sister, and the one who complains about the color cup is my older child. So, <laughs> and it's mine too. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if it's the, you know, I came here first, I, I get some sort of right. And if that's an orange cup, then yeah. Yeah, that's my orange cup. I don't remember having these problems when I was a kid. I、yeah. didn't have a choice. I don't think we had these kinds of problems. It was、no. just kind of a, you know, this is, well, yeah. I mean, if, if I can think about my older sister having a problem with something that I got, you know, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, when you're a younger sibling, I don't think you see things the same way.、So. I think so too, because I'm also the younger sibling, so I never see that. I, I just got what I wanted.、One. Oh, and you're probably just in denial. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. No, I, I, I guess it's because、uh, I don't know how, old, how, how, how much different between you and your older sister. 11 months. That's nothing, okay. And you? You were the oldest. Oh, youngest, I'm、one. youngest, eight years. I was、right. a mistake.、Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. No, you were, you were a miracle. Exactly. That's a better way of putting things. <laughs> I don't know. With my brother, I have five years. I mean, the only thing I remember clearly is getting annoyed because he will do stuff. Yeah. And I、been. will be blamed. Oh, wow. Okay. So his little hands will get into my grandfather's tools. They will disappear. And then suddenly I will have my grandfather in front of me saying, like, Why do you talk my tools? And I'm like, going, like, What? <laughs> That's the only thing I remember. But yeah, we got a little bit off topic、uh, no. because of my little story about my daughter just correcting me and being embarrassed about me. So now let's just get back to the episode that I wanted to talk about. I have talked to so many internationals, expats, immigrants living in Denmark, and for some reason, many of them have the same pattern going back to school or changing careers when they move to Denmark. I want to find out why so many expats and internationals decide to change careers when they move here to Denmark. Imagine going to school and working for years in your home country, but when you move to Denmark, nothing is equivalent to the education you took here in Denmark, or you simply can't get a job because of the Danish language is highly required for the position. What will you do? I've met with expats and immigrants that are psychologists, doctors, dentists that moved to Denmark from abroad, and they told me that for them to practice in Denmark, they will have to go back to school to get certified to practice in Denmark. Or, of course, many of them go back to school or they just decide to change careers. In today's episode with Kelly, I will be talking about her experience on why she decided to change career and return back to school in Denmark. We'll be talking about why these decisions were made and her experience of being in a university atmosphere in Denmark. So, let me introduce you again to Kelly Christensen from the US. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. We got a little off topic on the Danish language and our, our kids, but can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? And I know I forgot to mention that you also have a blog that you write all about your experience and your family here in Denmark. And you can、uh, touch on a little bit about that too. 
Well, like you said, I am a mom. I'm married to a Dane, and、uh, we met in the U.S. and decided that he wanted to change careers. So we moved to Denmark, and I was a teacher in the U.S., a high school teacher for 13 years. When we came here, actually, I didn't really think about getting a job. I mean, I knew that it would come later, but there was just so many changes that I was just more concerned with my kids making a good adjustment and figuring out. The lay of the land and a lot of other cultural things before I actually started looking for a job. But I know that when、uh, we lived here a month, they were taken into daycare, and I actually started learning Danish. It was kind of at that point that I thought, well, I wonder what's out there. I wonder maybe I could volunteer at a school, or I could find something to do with a school or with students somehow. Because that's really all I had done, even in college. Those were all the jobs that I had, and then my professional career was with students. But yeah, I actually I just reached out, and I had an international school nearby where I live. I live by Vibor, and I reached out just to see if I could come in. And, and help out. Really, I just thought I would get used to what a school is like in Denmark, you know. And it turned out that they actually had a position, so it really didn't take me long, and I wasn't really even looking. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a job posted. I didn't apply for anything. I just went and talked, and it just kind of worked out. So I was one of the lucky ones. But、um, I had worked there for a couple of years, and I really liked it. But there was just some issues that I couldn't get past. So I really just, yeah, I I thought it was best for me to to quit. It wasn't the right job at the right time for me. You know, and I, I still in my my head think that maybe a career in education is still something that I want, but I needed to give myself some time because I think that I, I started so fast when I I moved here that I didn't really have a whole lot of time to process if that's really what I wanted to do here. Education is so different here in Denmark compared to the U.S., and the role of the teacher is so different that it just wasn't exactly what I was hoping for, but. I was a much different person then, and of course, yes, my Danish was horrible, so I didn't have a lot of other options. When I quit there, I thought, you know, I I want to share kind of my story, so that's when I started writing on my own blog. So that was two years ago, and I've been doing the blog pretty much ever since. And yeah, I I really enjoy it. It's really opened up a lot of opportunities and allowed me to meet a lot of people and experience a lot of different things about Denmark. And then I started the YouTube channel after that, and that just took on a life of its own. So yeah. What was your first impression when you moved here in Denmark? Well, you know, when we moved here in 2016, but my first time in Denmark was 2007 when I first started dating my husband. And it's so interesting that when、uh, we came here, my husband lived on a small island in a small village, and so we really didn't go anywhere. Yeah, we just kind of、uh, spent time with family when we were visiting here, and so I got an education of the Danish culture through that. Of course, living with my Danish husband for the past, you know, fourteen years or whatever, but. Yeah, it was just not the same when we actually moved here. It was quite、um, interesting that in 2016, I thought I don't know. I just thought it was going to be really. I thought it was going to be really easy, you know. But it just、uh, it just wasn't, you know. I mean, they had a lot of the same things that we had in in the U.S. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to take all of those familiar things like the job and the free time activities and 
you know, going to the grocery store and just have the same type of life. But I don't know. It just it wasn't the same, you know, and I, I don't think there was any one big culture shock. But it was just I think the way that I behaved and the way that I felt was my culture shock not feeling comfortable and not really being able to find my place, that was the biggest shock for me because I thought it would be easier. Yeah, I think every expat or international feel that way. And also in the beginning, before you move to Denmark, it's so exciting. You're going to a new country and then also you get there and you're like, wow, this is not the same feeling that I thought I was going to have. And that's where... I don't know how far like depression, loneliness, sadness uh, comes. And that's when an expat has to just kind of find her home, her her group, her tribe of people to be with to surpass that. And I'm happy that you were able to find that, you know, even though the teaching thing at the international school didn't work out. But you found your YouTube, your blog, you found a whole new self-passion about something else. Yeah, it was um, quite unexpected in a way. I mean, like I said, I still really like the idea of teaching, but I haven't really made up a whole lot of of my decisions of where, where things are going from here on yeah. out. So. Well, you still, the YouTube, the blog, that can just go in so many different ways from now. What were your top three culture shocks? You said that you, you didn't really have so much culture shocks, but there have to have something. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess if you know you have you have to point a finger. It's most definitely the nudity in the swimming pool. That's you know, it was probably the very first blog post I wrote because I had to get it out to the world, you know. Really, I just had to get it out of of my head of that experience that I went through because, you know, being a mom of two little boys and you go into a changing room filled with naked women and it's just like, oh, I, you know, there's so many things going on in my head. And I, of course, did not follow the protocol of what you should be doing in those locker rooms and was yelled at by some older naked woman. And I'm thinking, put on some clothes. My children are standing right here. So yeah, it's it's been somewhat traumatic, but I'm, you know, now I'm, I don't know, my boys are older, they can do all that by themselves. So I don't have to worry about that. It's just my own nudity that I'm afraid of, I guess. But yeah, you can't, you can't just, uh, you can't just become Danish overnight with those Danish beliefs. So I still have some, some room to, to grow there. I really, I mean, I live in a small town. I live in a town of 8,000 people. So, you know, when you talk about people who move to a big city like Aarhus or Albor or Copenhagen, you know, and it's just people have a community there that's already established and they have someone to lean on and all of these things. And they have a lot of American familiarities around. That does not exist in my little town, my podunk, as I like to call it, (laughs) because, um, uh, yeah, I mean, there aren't many people like me. And so it's, uh, there's no community to lean on. And I have like culture shocks just going to the grocery store, not knowing, you know, what things were. I can't tell you how many times I left the grocery store with like half of a full, you know, little cart or trolley because I just couldn't do it. You know, it's just kind of too much pressure. And so I used to love going grocery shopping. I was a massive couponer. I loved going and looking for the deals. And it was just too much stress going to the grocery store. And I thought, man, you know, that sucks. You know, it's taking away these things. But it also the other culture shock really was kind of um, was making friends and kind of being accepted because we own our own home. We've lived in our own home for, I don't know, four and a half years. 
And it took a couple of years for my neighbors on my street to even look me in the eye. And so, you know, it's not like I need to be their best friend, but it really was kind of, um, I don't know, ego crushing, maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but they couldn't even just treat me like a human being in a way. So, yeah, I mean, when people get used to you, I think that they're very nice, but I didn't realize how long it would take. Yeah. So when you moved to the neighborhood, there was no cookies and flowers welcoming you to the neighborhood. Actually, you know, we did have a couple of interested older ladies. I yeah. mean, there's a couple of, uh, I live on a street where I'm one of the younger people and I'm in my 40s. So, I mean, there's a couple of people there who actually are old enough to be my grandparents and they did come over. And I think they were all very curious because they all knew that an American was moving on their street. And I think I was the very first foreigner. I now am not the only foreigner on my street of like 20 houses, but there's somebody from Lithuania. But uh, yeah, you know, I had lived here for six months before we moved into our house and we were living in an apartment and I was in a running group and I had met somebody who lives on my street in that running group. And so I don't know, I guess news just travels fast in a small town. And so they were all very curious. So I did have two ladies and one is extremely sweet and invites me over all the time. But you know, the thing about living in Mittuland is that they have a very specific style of Danish that they use. And I don't quite understand everything she says. And I feel horrible about it because she's been so warm and caring. And I would really like to repay that. But I just can't communicate with her. I feel much better communicating with people my own age because I know they know English. They just don't choose to use it. And so they can figure it out. But with some of these older Danes, they, yeah. But we did have a couple, you know, curious to see who these people are. <laughs> a lot of hand gestures and pointing. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, but there there have been a couple, you know, of different houses where it's just, I don't know. They, I think they're very nationalist Danes and afraid of foreign influence. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the best way to keep your country Danish is to educate the foreigners on what it is they should be doing. <laughs> that, that's a very interesting point. That is, a, that's that's how I see it. You know, yeah, that's you know, like when I moved to England, nobody cared where I was from, so it was really easy to integrate. And so therefore, it was really easy to pick up and cultural little things. And said, oh, okay, here they want to know everything. <laughs> no, basically, if, you know, there is there is this attitude that they they shut the door. You know, you 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 only are allowed when you are Danish enough. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's really never a time when you're going to be Danish enough because you weren't born here and no. you don't have Danish parents. So mm. you know, I mean, even my half Danish, and I never call my children half because they're whole Danish, just like they're whole American. But um, yeah, I mean. I don't want to say it's a stereotype, but my kids have blonde hair and blue eyes. So no one's going to ever know that they came from anywhere else. And I hate that, that some kids are born here and they don't, I guess, have that privilege and they get treated a certain way. But I think that if your Danish is really good and you're, I mean, I think it's really easy to get accepted. But when you're learning it in your 30s 
and it's just not going to happen, you know? No, no. But there is there is those Danes that accept it and love internationals coming in. And no, no, definitely. So there's, there's the half that just accepts it and the other half just like, no, no, no. Yeah, I think it's also a, a very much of a generational thing mm-hmm. because, you know, the ones who are a little bit, but, you know, I, I don't know. That That's just how I've, I've seen it so far in like on my street. But I, I know they're all different kinds of people in every a, country you I, know. I give you an advice yeah. just buy a lot of beer oh yeah get drinking <laughs> with them drink him under the table and then they're gonna glorify you yeah well you <laughs> know. it works with me trust me let's get to your kids um, when they move over here how do you compare raising kids in the US versus here in Denmark I know maternity leave is much shorter you experience that in the US but it's much longer here in in Denmark so how do you compare raising kids in both countries well you know for me when we moved my oldest was in American kindergarten which they call grade zero here no one was allowed in that school I was only allowed in like the foyer and my son had to be brought to me no one was allowed in I mean it was bulletproof glass and I mean, and he only went to a kindergarten. It was so large that there were 21 kindergarten classes in that building and no other grades. It was a very different situation, and that's definitely not normal. I had never really seen anything like that in the U.S. where they separated that grade like that. You know, I mean, and as a teacher, you see a lot of um, parents who are very controlling of their children. And because there's a lot of pressure on children to perform and they have testing at such early ages. And I think there's a lot of pressure on parents to raise perfect children. And so when you come to Denmark, I don't really see the pressure and they are very much more relaxed about what happens with their children. You know, I think the whole culture is really set up that way with not testing children, you know, so much at early ages and not giving them grades until eighth grade or something like that. And so I think, you know, as as a parent, if the whole community is is pretty relaxed, then it's easy for you to be relaxed with your kids. But it's very different when you compare. And I know like when we moved, I mean, I had a three-year-old and it was very much of, uh, yeah, when I had my kids, I breastfed. I made their baby food. It was only organic fruits and vegetables. You know, they did not have juice until they were two years old. You know, I mean, screen time, you know, my kids didn't have screen time unless we were traveling on an airplane. I mean, all of their little things that they did when we were like at a restaurant, they were always handmade little educational things that I made. I was like, I don't know. I took my mom job extremely serious. And I don't know, I I figured this is a a really good opportunity to create, I don't know, fantastic human beings, you know? I was in a mom group for years where, you know, we would have these different reasons to get together, you know, and have like sensory parties where we would have, you know, we would be in a black room and the kids would do things with with like glow in the dark, like whatever, you know, it was just, I was around a lot of other like-minded moms, you know, and you don't see stuff like that here, you know, and it's kind of funny because kids get to be independent at such a young age. I mean, I was very shocked at the very first time we had a birthday party for my son when he turned four and the parents just came and dropped their kids off or we picked them up at daycare and the parents came a couple hours later. 
You know, in the U.S., it was always very common for you to go everywhere with your child. So if they were at a birthday party, you would be at that birthday party with them the entire time. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's like you, you go and you watch their practices, you watch their games, you know, you're very kind of involved. I wouldn't say that, you know, I was controlling. I was like the puppet master, you know, but we were very involved. And I think here, you know, like the kids ride their bikes to school, the kids ride their bikes to their clubs, you know, you don't see the parents so much. And it's very, it's very different. Like me, even now, like I miss my mom terribly because I was around her up until the time we moved and I was 38. You know, we spent like every weekend we would see each other, you know, the summer times when I didn't teach, we would be there almost every day. You know, I think it's very different with parents here is that they don't see I don't know. Like for me, it's like if my children aren't near me, it's like I don't have like part of my body, you know, and I don't really see that being the same here in Denmark. So yeah, they're very independent here and they're always walking to school by themselves or riding the bus. That was like a shocker to me in like the city center or the train. They're just traveling on their own and you see the mom waving at the window. Bye bye. I'm like, 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. Giving kids a lot of choices, you know. I mean, I find out later that my kids went on a field trip yesterday. You know, in the U.S., you're like, oh, you have to give permission and we have to know where our children are at all times. And this is like, yeah, we went to Vibor yesterday. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I'm at the point where I've been here long enough that I don't get so uptight about these things. And I like that they have freedom. But I still want that culture where when I get old, they still want to be around me and they still feel some sort of sense of, I got to take care of my mom, you know, because I might need that, you know. I need yeah. To- when they get older here, they go to that after school in for like two years. Well, I mean, I'm I'm mean a little <laughs> bit older than that, you know, like I'm not in a wheelchair and like, you know, drooling when they're in after school, hopefully. But I'm thinking, you know, a little bit longer down the line. But I'm pretty excited for after school because uh, I know my older one, he needs a he needs a wake up call. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited for that. I think I've got like four more years. But, uh, you know, it's also bittersweet because I'm going to get emotional. Yeah. They're on their own for five days or and they have a choice if they even want to go home in the weekends. Right. Mine probably won't (laughs) be like "Eh." unless he needs laundry done, probably. And food and hungry. I don't know, unless that's like a big thing at after school. But I'm I'm excited for for that. I'm yeah, I'm excited. For I that. think that's a really great experience to give 15 year old and 14, 15, 16 year old. I think they go 14, 15, 16, because I, we never had that in the U.S. That didn't no. unless you went to boarding school and you had a lot of money and you went to boarding school. Right. I think it would be the equivalent of maybe studying abroad yeah. or something. But yeah, but we also have a lot of camps and we have a lot of clubs and there are so many options for kids that that you don't find here. So in a way, I think it kind of makes up for it. But I'm I'm glad that they have that that time, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's a long ways from now. And we can talk about that when yeah. that time comes. And that's when I'm going to change the name of my podcast to My Kids Don't Think I'm Cool Anymore. Because when they become <laughs> teenagers, they just don't think the parents are cool anymore. Yeah, my, my, te- <laughs> my teens are crazy or something. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just talk about after like your career and everything and why you made a career change. What made you go back to school and pursue another career in Denmark? And what are you getting your degree on? 
Well, it's really quite interesting because I have、um, a master's in education, you know, from the U.S. So the logical thing for me to do would probably get another master's or get a PhD or something, right? But instead, I decided to start from the very bottom, and I'm getting in in like an AP degree or something, which is what I would consider a degree from a community college in the United States. So it's something that you're doing before you go on to bachelor, and yeah, it's really weird how they look at things here. It's that you go to a university to get your bachelor's degree, or you do what I'm doing and then do something called top up, and then you get what's like a bachelor's degree, but it's not graded the same. It's not like the teachers don't grade, but it's it's not viewed the same way by the deans as being as important. But I thought, okay, I'm starting completely over. I have no idea what college is going to be like in Denmark, and I got a lot on my plate with my blog and my YouTube and raising two kids. So I really did not want to. Well, and that's another thing. I live in a small town. Wherever I go, it's at least a half an hour to get to anywhere. So I thought, well, what's the closest program in English? <laughs> <laughs> and in all reality, I mean, starting my blog, it was just kind of for fun, but it now is a business. So it's now a credited business here in Denmark, and I wanted to make it better. So I thought, well, I'll go into marketing, and that's what I'm I'm studying now. And it's really interesting because a lot of what I have been doing is a lot of the things that I'm learning. So I'm realizing I've been doing everything somewhat the right way. So that's nice. But I thought that it could help me improve on my blog, or maybe I would decide that I wanted to actually get a job in it somewhere. So I started a program in Vibor actually. Because it's kind of nice that they have a couple programs that are in English in places that are not Aarhus. Because it's a very long drive for me to go to Aarhus for school, and especially you know when you have to pick kids up from school and you have to take them in the mornings. It's just a lot. So that was kind of it. You know, I thought, well, what are my options first for educations, and what's close? And that ended up being the one where it just made more sense, I guess. Yeah, it's not like when you go to university the very first time and you decide, hey, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And you pick all the classes you want, and you're in love with school, and it's fantastic. And it's was not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few of my question is, what is, is it like in a university? But before I get to that question, if you didn't move to Denmark, do you think you'd have been stayed a teacher, or you would have thought, okay, maybe I'll try something else? Without a doubt, I would have been in the same classroom in the same school. I would have been trying to be a lifer. You know,、yeah. I mean, I absolutely loved the school that I was in. I loved the students. I loved what I did. I mean, I worked a lot of extra hours doing extra. Things I had, I was in charge of two different clubs, you know, and I taught high school, so I worked with fourteen to eighteen year olds, and it was just fantastic. And I would definitely be doing that, but you know, it was a an interesting decision because it was something that my husband really wanted to do, and I thought, well, I have heard I can do my job anywhere, so let's just see how that works out, you know. And it worked out for you changing careers. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it worked out for me teaching here for a while,、yeah. but it wasn't exactly teaching what I wanted to、yeah. teach, you know, and a lot more work for yeah than what I was expecting. So, but yeah, I had no thoughts of changing. I mean, I got my master's in two thousand and three, and I said I was done. You know, I did not want to go back to school at all. You know, and I even said something I want to say the year before I started this program. It's like, oh, not me, you know. <laughs> 
I think we were talking, and you said, "No, no, I'm not going back to school." Oh yeah, <laughs> heck no. But you know, it's really weird. And I mean, I've been in a classroom. I mean, it's an English program, so they're all foreigners. I don't have any Danish people in my classes, and、um, they're all from pretty much Eastern Europe. We have、um, a few kids from Nepal and one from Portugal, but everybody else is from an Eastern European country. Yeah, so that's been quite interesting, you know, meeting new people that way. But、uh, they're also nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, and it's you know they try to have all these meetups and and do different things, but it's such a different dynamic when they could be your children.、Yeah. You know, I'm in my forties, and I'm but I was not the oldest one in my program. Actually, there's somebody older than me, but many of my teachers were my age or. Around that, maybe older or younger, even. That was actually my next question. Did you feel old going back to school? Because I definitely would going back. Because when you think about going back to school, you're in your you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty, early twenties, mid twenties. Yeah, right. And then, well, we have another mom in the group, and she was twenty nine, and I mean that was even a huge difference compared to the others. You know, and it's not that I feel old, but I feel really uptight being around them because they have a lot of free time and. They don't have a lot of responsibility, and you know, for me, it's nope. I can't hang out. I've got to drive the half an hour to get home and pick up a kid and take him to soccer and you know make a birthday cake. I mean, I don't know. So, momming exactly, and <laughs> it was not the same experience like the first time around. You know, when I was that twenty-year-old, and I mean, doing all of the classes that I was just absolutely in love with. This is a program, so you don't get to choose any of your classes. So that's、um, that was a struggle for me because we were in some classes way too long. You know, not like in the day, but okay, I could have had three classes of economics, and we could have just moved on to something else because. Yeah, I was over at day three, probably. So yeah, <laughs> in the U.S., not many people go back to school to completely change careers, especially when they've been spending years and years already in that career. Why do you think in Denmark it's normal to just go back and reset and want to do something different? Well, you know, I definitely think it's because of money. You know, when you,、um, I mean, I had to pay off college loans well into my thirties, and for what I did in my early twenties, yeah. So people don't really have all that financial freedom just to go back to school. It's expensive, you know. And then if they do, who's going to be making the money to survive? Because you can't do both, you know. Unless you have one person in your family who's working, and sometimes that works out, but a lot of times you can't live off of like a one-income family. You just can't. And I know there's plenty of people who would love to go to college, but they can't afford it, and it's just so you know heartbreaking. But you know that was like one of the, the first like shocks that I had when I first started teaching here in Denmark. I met someone, and it was I think three months into the school year, and she said that she was going to stop and go back to school because she wanted to be. A A journalist or something, and I thought, oh my gosh, we would never quit just in the middle of the year like that. You know, that would just be so unheard of. You would wait until like a break, or you would wait and wait until the end of the school year. You would just never just. And nobody was upset with her. You know, it just seems so common for people just to switch all the time. And that's one thing that I noticed is that there was so much turnaround in my profession that it was just, oh well, this person's leaving us. Let's wish them well. You know, I'm like, wow. I mean, you would never hear that. So I think it's just 
It's just part of their culture. And it's just not something like in the U.S., you don't quit a job until you have another job. You know, you don't give yourself extra issues like financially. Yeah, it's just crazy. But it's kind of nice also, like when you go back to school, you don't always have like health insurance. You know, you need to have your job to have health insurance. And if you decide, oh, I don't want like here, I didn't have to worry about quitting my job because I had health insurance no matter what, or I had health care, you know. So I think people aren't feeling such a burden when they do these things because they don't have to pay for education. They've already been paying for it with their taxes, and they don't have to worry about losing out on health care because they don't have a job. So Yeah, I thought that was so strange when I came here and also kind of jealous. I was like, I wish I had that, you know, when I was graduated high school and I had the opportunity to go to college and pick whatever I want, doesn't matter what university, and not look at the, oh, how much is that university going to cost? But I don't really know if people do have that freedom because where I went to university, there were so many different career paths I could have taken, you know, so many different majors. But here, you know, like my school, there's only three different options of programs. So if you don't want to be in marketing, IT, or automotive then you have to find a completely, you know, new place to go. And I don't know, it's something that I don't, I don't know. I think it's like there, there's pros and cons for both. Yeah. I'm really glad I, I went to school in the U.S. because I was able to also choose the classes I wanted to take. And I had a fantastic experience. And I don't think I could have that here with what I wanted to do. I mean, I'd have to most definitely be in a big city. And that's just not an option for us yeah. right now. Yeah, I loved my university, my college experience in the U.S., and I think that experience would be different. I've never went to school here, so I wouldn't know. So is college life or university life so different? If you were in your 20s, would you compare it to the U.S. and here? Is it different? Well, you know, like I said, I go to what might be considered like a community college. So it's very different. But I mean, I went to community college in the U.S. for the first couple of years, and we had so much more going on there. I could tell you that right now. But there was so much more opportunity. You know, it wasn't three programs, like I said, you know, so... But we have like a student house where people can play games and drink alcohol pretty much. But I don't know, you know, I mean, I lived in a town of like 30,000 in the U.S. That's that's how big my college town was. And it was a college town. Nothing was really alive when school wasn't in session because pretty much everybody lived there to go to college. And it was very different. I don't know if like you go to university in a bigger city, you're going to have a different situation. But as far as from what I see, there's really no community. There's no community at all. I mean, you know, as a teacher here, there there's no school community. There's no higher education community. It's no surprise, you know. That's got to be difficult coming from the U.S. to a different kind of atmosphere. It's, it's a difference, yeah. most definitely. <laughs> I was shocked when I moved to Denmark to learn that students actually get paid to go to school here. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about the SU program that Denmark has for university students? Yeah, well, you know, if you're Danish, you get SU, no no problem, right? But if you are from another EU country, you have to work so many hours in order to qualify for SU. And it's really not a whole lot. I mean, I don't know the differences, you know, depending on maybe on how much you work, maybe that's how much you get. 
I'm married to a Danish guy, so I get it, luckily, because the other people from non-EU countries, they don't get it. You know, a lot of people complain that it's not enough to live off of. And when you come from having to get a bank loan of thousands of dollars for just six months, you know, just to pay for school and books, you know, I mean, then you have to get a job because you have no way to support yourself. So, I mean, I think it's great that they're giving them anything. And I mean, if anybody complains about it, I seriously don't know what their problem is because that's money they didn't have before and that's money they didn't have to work for. So it doesn't make much sense to me, but you will constantly hear them say, well, I don't have enough money to, you know, go out and eat. Well, get a job, you know, but I think, you know, from a lot of people of what I've heard, it's it can be somewhere like 6,000 kroner a month. So like I said, it's not a lot and it might differ maybe where you live. I don't know. I mean, this is from what I've heard for some of the students who go to school in Vibor. And I can imagine that the cost of living is much cheaper compared to other places. Yeah. But still, you know, I don't know. I I also know that it's it was very difficult for a lot of the international students to find part time jobs. I mean, it took them a lot of months of looking and trying out jobs and being told that, you know, it wasn't good enough or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of shady things going on with people trying to employ foreign college students. So. Yeah, but SU, I mean, I'm glad to get it. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Yeah, I when I found out about it, I was like, I would, if they gave me $500 a month, I'd be so happy for it because we got zero. We got a in debt in the U.S. So I'm like, man, I would die to have for that $500 or any cash going to school. Yeah, it's definitely a, a plus, you know. Now that you're graduating soon, uh, what are you looking to do with your new degree? I don't know. You know, I have been asked that by a couple of different people. I, you know, I've I've gotten some job offers, but I really just want to keep my options open because um, I really went into this wanting to work and improve my my blog and my YouTube. I just haven't had time to do that. So it would be nice if I could take what I've learned and actually put it to some good use there and then enjoy my summer and then see what happens after that. So just take it easy and see if anything comes up, pops up, but apply what you have learned to your YouTube, which I think your YouTube and your blog is so interesting and you have so many great tips of where to go. First time families moving. And I think it's so great for any first time parents or families that are moving US or anywhere from the world into Denmark. It's kind of an introduction. Hello, Denmark. (laughs) I'm here. What should I do? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I just figure, you know, if I can try and eliminate some of the issues that I had when I first came here, then maybe it'll help somebody and that'll make me feel good that I helped somebody, I guess. Yeah. Any tips for expats or internationals that are thinking of going back to school? Well, it's very uh, important to contact the school and to talk to somebody there because I had some issues when I was applying because they needed my high school transcripts. Like I said, I have a master's degree. They did not want my master's transcripts, my bachelor's, anything. They wanted my high school transcripts. So I had to contact my parents to try and contact the local school board because when I moved here, I brought all my documentation with me, you know, just in case I would need to show it to, I don't know, get a job. And um, I did not have my high school transcripts because they were 20 years old. 
I don't know. I that it's just that's beside the fact, but it was a lot of uh, miscommunication for I don't know it, what seemed like too long in the beginning, and because I just needed to talk to somebody. So I think it's always important just to reach out to somebody who actually works there, like some type of counselor or something, and they can really help you with the programs. I know I did that when I was looking into programs in Ohus. It really helped me kind of narrow down which school I thought would be best for me. And yes, of course, location. Yeah, <laughs> location is ideal. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about your experience on changing your careers, going back to school, your family, and then our little uh, side conversation about the languages in the beginning that wasn't supposed to be talked about. <laughs> Any last words before we closed out? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just think that you know, if people are putting a lot of pressure on finding a job, or maybe they find something and they just don't, it just doesn't fit. I think people really just need to take a step back and maybe do it the Danish way and uh slap it app yeah <laughs> slap a <laughs> uh, yeah slap a so i think that if everybody kind of calms down a little bit because i know it can be very nerve-wracking trying yeah. to find a job in another country and so i yeah just relax slap a <laughs> yes that is a wrap for today's episode of My Kids Think I'm Cool But podcast and radio show. If you want to follow Kelly's awesome blog about things to do in Denmark or anything related to Denmark, make sure to check it out on her YouTube channel and her blog. She has some fun and cool tips for expats living here. Kelly, do you want to mention a little bit your blog handle and your YouTube handle and your blog website? Uh, my blog is called My New Danish Life, so it's just mynewdanishlife.com and the YouTube channel also has the same name so it really if you want to find me anywhere on social media or the internet it's my new Danish life perfect thank you for that and I will have all this information and links on my website so you guys don't have to rush and write it down head over to my website to get all the information and if you want sign up with the news newsletter too I'm always adding um, new pictures or stuff that I'm doing so follow Instagram Facebook and sometimes uh, I'm on TikTok too just doing fun stuff anyways until next time everyone bye bye